Joshua 24, Joshua 24, and going to look at, uh, starting in verse number 14, I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a little bit this morning as we read a few verses in Joshua, and uh, the mantra today is, my body, my choice, my life, my choice, I'll do what I want, no one's going to tell me, and all that kind of stuff, and, and I get it, you ought to have freedom to choose, but let me explain this. Freedom to choose does not mean freedom of consequence, okay? You making choices does not mean that there are no consequences to those choices. And I'm not going to preach on a current event issue. This is not about abortion or anything like that. I I think you already know where we stand on that. That's not a good thing, okay? Uh, uh, Let God be God and uh, let people be people. But in regards to your life as a believer, uh, you need to understand that there are choices you're making on a daily basis, and those choices can affect you for the rest of your life. I would say not just daily, moment by moment, you're making choices. Whether, whether you realize it or not, you're thinking things, you're making judgment calls, and you're making little bite-sized decisions that will affect you sometimes for the rest of your life. And so, yes, it is your life, and it is your choice. Let's see what the Bible says about that. Joshua 24, verse number 14, now therefore... Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood. You can't serve the one true God and hold on to the other little gods. It doesn't work that way. And in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and, and which did those great signs in our sight and pre- preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. That's good stuff. Now, now I want you to watch Joshua's rebuttal to that statement. And Joshua, verse 19, said unto the people, you cannot serve the Lord. You say, well, well, that's not fair. I want to. (laughs) Joshua, you've been telling me this whole time I want to serve God. Now I'm trying to, and you're saying I can't. Well, let's just keep reading. For he's the holy God. He's a jealous God. Look at verse 20. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he had done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you. Notice that word, chosen. You made the choice. Ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We our witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord of God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. Brother Jose, it's good to have you this morning. Um, appreciate what you do for our community. And we appreciate your mustache. <laughs> I tried. It just did never come out like that. So uh, if you'll open this up in a word of prayer. Appreciate it. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. I, I, would, I would call your attention to the fact that Joshua 24, if you're paying attention, if you maybe flip the page over to the right, what you learn is that this is the end of Joshua. We're at the end of the book of Joshua, and coincidentally, and probably more importantly, 
We're at the end of the life of Joshua. And so Joshua is preparing his people for a time of transition. Joshua has been here before. He has watched Moses do the exact same thing in Deuteronomy 30. As a matter of fact, Moses said a lot of the same words that Joshua says in Joshua 24 when Moses is about to pass off the scene in Deuteronomy 30. He goes, guys, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go into the promised land. Moses speaking, you're going to go into the promised land. If you're not careful, you're going to make choices to follow the gods of the people that are all around you instead of the, of the choice to serve and live for the one true God. And here we are, full cycle, a generation later, and now Joshua is saying the same words to the same people. Why is that? Because we don't always learn the lesson the first time. Can I get a witness? And you know, I realize that where Joshua is at right now is a time of transition for the nation of Israel. They're going to go from having had Moses as their leader and Joshua as their leader to what's next. And you know what? It makes me think of this. All of life is transitional. You know that? Life is one big transition until you get into eternity. Now think about this. A mom gets pregnant. Isn't that time of transition where the feet swell and the hormones are up and down, you know, and one minute it's like, how are you doing? The next minute it's like, we are legion for we are many. And you're like, I'm so sorry, honey. I'm so sorry, right? And, and all these things going on in your body and you don't really know what's going on. And then finally, after months and what feels like an eternity, and you look at the pictures of yourself a year ago and you go, will I ever fit in those pair of jeans again? The answer is yes. Yes, honey, you look beautiful today. You're always beautiful. Gentlemen, take notes. Young men, take notes. All right. She's always beautiful. Don't you ever say something like, man, my mom thought you'd be less weight by now. Don't ever do that. That's a bad idea. All right. Bad idea. All right. But all the things that women go through to bring life into this world. Thank you, ladies. Us guys would have killed civilization a long time ago. All right. We're thankful for what you ladies do. You know what that is, though? Nine months of transition. And then it's time to give birth. It's the moment you've been waiting for. And everyone's so excited until the pain comes. And oh, that time of transition, it feels like an eternity. Am I right, ladies? I, I, mean, I mean, I tell you what, man, sometimes I get a cold and it's about the same pain level as what you ladies go through. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Brother Jose's like, that's right, that's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. And then you give birth to that child. And you're like, man, that baby's finally here, you know, and they come out, and they look like a little alien, you know, and they're so cute, you know. Some of them have a lot of hair, like little Seamus McGreedy over here, a little red, you know, a ginger, got the hair fuzzy all like that. And then some come out like mine, like cue balls. And like Bella was like a cue ball till she was two. She had this little mullet right in the back. It was so cool. <laughs> but regardless of how they come out, it's all right. You filled in just fine. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter what they're like. when it's, it's, Parents are so funny. My kid's not talking yet. Trust me, they're going to talk so much, you're going to wish they shut up. Right? You know, my, I wish my kid would just start walking, and eventually they start running. Amen? All of life is transitional. They pop out, and they start, you know, they don't got any teeth. They don't got any hair, and eventually that comes in, and then they start, you know, noticing things around them, and then they start, you know, doing the little, they, they lean on something, and I'll never forget, we had a little toy in our trailer in Pensacola, and when that toy would make a noise, Ariana would go, <laughs> you know, and they start doing that, hold on to things, you know, and before you know it, they're doing what I call little, you know, the baby wobble, like, uh, you know, the kind of dance, you know, and eventually they start walking, and before you know it, they're running, and then they go through this thing called puberty. Well, the guys sound like that. <laughs> kind of sound like that, you know. And they got like pizza planted on their forehead. You know what I'm talking about? The acne's there, you know. The voice is changing and the body's kind of disproportionate. You know, the head's too big or whatever. Something is, you can tell. They're eventually they're going to turn out okay, but they go through that ugly... I'm not trying to pick on you. We've all been there. You'll get through it. You'll get through it. And, and eventually you get past that time. And then you're a young man or a young woman. You're like, I've got my freedom. I'm going to do what I want. And then you realize what that really means. You're going to pay taxes, sucker. And then you get married. You say, was that transition? It's all transition. And then you have children, and the cycle starts all over again. You know what it is? It's a transition. The whole thing is. You know what, you're, you know what you'll say? Once we get through this, life will calm down. It never does. You know, I, I, I got through this event, and then we'll get life. Listen, life is always going to be that way. It's, it's transitional all the way through. So I find that the advice, oh, my goodness. And then you, got, then you got the kids moving out, and you got the empty nesters. 
And you know, for years, you're like, man, I just can't wait till we retire. I can't wait till we can be alone. And there's no kids. We can go on a date whenever we want. We can enjoy. And no teenagers have to what life 360 and watch where they're going. Why are they hanging out with that kid again? You know, and all that kind of stuff. It's empty nester time. We're retired. The kids are gone. And then you look at each other and go, but we missed the kids. <laughs> Some of you have already been through that. And then for you ladies, you go through this transition called menopause. And it's rough. I'm, I'll be real, as careful as I can be. It's called menopause, but man, there's that pause at the end. Gentlemen, remember that. Pause before you say things to her when she's going through that, all right? You know what you learn, though? And eventually you get old, and then the hair comes off, and the teeth come off, and you don't know where you're at. You're eating ice cream, walking around, no one knows who you are. Well, you don't know who you are either. And then you pass on. Life is transitional the whole way through. I don't know where you're at. And let me, let me insert one more, one more little twist to all of that. You're lost. You're blind without the hope of eternal life. You don't know what it means to be born again. Your sins have never been forgiven by God. There's something between you and God. There's a lack of peace there. And you can almost sense it at night when you go to sleep and all the flood of your, of your past and the guilt and the skeleton in the closet comes in your mind and you're like, God, I hope no one ever finds out. God, I don't like this feeling. I wish it would go away. And then someone presents the gospel of Jesus Christ to you and then you become a born-again child of God. Amen. And thank God that transition can happen. And you get saved, it's like that. But man, from there, it's like, okay, now I'm starting to try to read my Bible. I'm trying to come to church faithfully. I'm learning about what the Bible says my new responsibilities are as a child of God. And this, this, this life of transition, once you get saved, that wasn't on top of the physical transitions that are going on. There's the spiritual and the mental ones as well. And when I look at Joshua giving instruction to the people about making choices, all I can think of is this, is that you are making choices every day in your life, regardless of what stage you're at in your transition. You are making choices that will affect you in the next phase of that, of that, of that stage of life. Whether you're a born-again child of God or not, you're doing things right now that are going to affect you. And let me just say this right now. You don't control the world. You don't control the circumstances. I mean, I came out there to, 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 to get some prayer time, and Javen's back there, and he goes, man, Jeff, you got to show the church. Stand up real quick, man. Stand up real quick. Show them your slippers. Sometimes life just happens, amen? Right? right? Sometimes you get shark slippers on, and you get pulled over for running a stop sign, and it is life, amen? You don't control everything in life. But let me just say this. You control the choices you make about how you respond to what's going on in your life. You need to get a hold of that. Listen, this man, Viktor Frankl, who he went to the uh, 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 concentration camps in, in the 1940s. His dad died in the concentration camp. His first wife died in the concentration camp. Uh, one of his of siblings, I think, escaped. Someone else in his family died. Terrible, terrible experience. Here's what he said. When we can no longer change the situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. You know what? You know how the Bible says this? Gird up the loins of your mind. We're raising a generation that does not have emotional toughness, mental toughness, and emotional intelligence to know, listen, I can get through this. I can respond the right way. I will gird up the loins of my mind. I will not fall. I will not falter with the grace of God. I'm not going to crumble under the pressure because God is with me, and I've got a choice in this. We need to help our next generation understand it is not, not your life is not over. You got more life ahead of you. I read this recently. It kind of got to me. The Bible says the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. You know what that means? Every once in a while, lost people get things that saved people don't. I, I read a book by a lady that I don't know that she's a born-again Christian. As a matter of fact, I don't believe she is. She wrote this. It's called 13 Things That Mentally Strong People Don't Do. Number one, they don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. Number two, they don't give away their power. In other words, only God rules over them. They don't give it away to other people. Number three, they don't shy away from change. When God says you need to change, get on board, man, and change. Number four, they don't waste energy on things they can't control. Listen, you don't control everything in life, but you control. Here's what, if you were to look at life, here's how it goes. Here's what I control. Here's about what I influence. And here's everything else. 
And your problem is you spend most of your day thinking about everything out here rather than the choices that you're making. You'll think about what politicians are choosing. You'll think about what society is saying. You'll think about what the Democrats or the Republicans are saying. And you won't look in the mirror and go, but what am I doing with my life? My life, my choice. You're right. But I'll say this, God's going to hold you accountable to the choices that you make. Mentally strong people don't dwell on the past. They don't resent other people's successes. They don't give up up after the first failure. They don't fear alone time. If you find yourself going, it's quiet and I'm alone and and I got to turn something on, I got to turn something on, I got to turn the app on, turn the music on, turn because I can't just be alone. There's something that is off in your life. And it cannot be solved simply with education. It is a spiritual issue in your life. You say, what is that? That's a sign that your mind is not girded up as it should be. And you can do that, Christian. Mentally strong people don't feel the world owes them anything. They definitely don't expect immediate results. You know what? You don't control what other people choose. You don't control how other people decide to respond to you. Well, I just don't want to say that because if I do that, then they're going to respond this way. Well, is it the right thing? Well, yeah, but stop right there. Is it the right thing? Yes or no? Well, yeah, but stop. You don't control how they respond. If I were to go to someone and say, hey, brother, this isn't right. We've got to fix this. And they go, you know what? I didn't do that. They did that. I, I can't, I cannot waste my life worrying about that. I can't control what other people think about me. I can love them, I can, I can try to be there for them, but let me tell you right now, if I took a poll of what everybody thinks a pastor should do, I know for a fact I would fall short of someone, if not many people, or maybe everybody's expectations, and you know what my job is? To look at the Lord and go, Lord, what do you want me to do? I, I don't control that, I don't control the economy. Thank God, what a mess that is. I don't control my kids when they leave the house, you understand that? I'm learning that. I can, I can enlighten, and I can inspire, and I can educate, and I can show this is the way, but I don't control. You don't have to learn to do. God, this is in your hands. And I'm going to respond the right way. I, I can choose what I can choose for me, listen to me, and my family. I read this, destiny is no matter of chance. I love it when someone says, oh, you guys are so lucky. I love it when someone goes, oh, your kids were born, to, they behave all the time. You were just born. To, I've, I've taken the boys out and little, look like a little angry Indian right now. You okay, buddy? <laughs> He's just kind of doing this number. I'm like, did I say anything offensive? Are we there yet? I thought we were, are we still friends? Can we be friends? Okay. Well, that, you left me hanging in front of the whole church, man. That was rough. <laughs> you know what? People go, your kids are so, your boys are so, yes, sir, no, sir. Oh, they're just so, well, they were born that way. No, they're not born that way. When someone goes, oh, I just, are you lucky to have a marriage like the one? No, 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 that's work. That's not luck. Those are choices that are made. When someone goes, oh, must be nice, those were choices that led to the what must be nice. Do you understand that? But people look at other people and go, oh, it's just luck. It's not luck. It's the choices that you're making, the little ones. And you may think they're insignificant. The ones that go beep, 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 the alarm's going off in the morning, time to get up and read your Bible, and you're like, I'll get to that later. And later comes at 7.30, and you jump out of bed. Oh, my goodness, it's going to be late to work. Jump in the shower. Please jump in the shower first. We need you to do that. Jump in the shower. And then you run out, and you go, I didn't get time to read my Bible. I didn't get, I just hate, my life is just so chaotic. I don't know why this is, I can tell you why it's that way, because you keep hitting the snooze button. Do you understand what I'm saying? Those are choices. Destiny is no matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. Someone said this. Everything can be taken. Victor Frankl, the man that went to the concentration camps and came out as a psychologist and all that stuff, everything can be taken away from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedom to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. You choose that. Roger Crawford said we are a product of the choices we make. Listen to me, not the circumstances that we face. We live in a victim. Let's praise the victimhood mentality in our society. So, so the reason that I'm a jerk is because my parents were a jerk. You understand what I'm saying? Well, my parents were, they weren't there for me. Do you want to repeat that for your kids? Well, I, I just never learned the right way. Hey, you've learned a lot of things that you wanted to learn. Why don't you learn the right way? You know why? Because it's a choice. Everything that you're doing in your life, it goes back to your choices. 
your relationships, the people you're close to. I've had Christians go, I just don't feel close to anyone in the church. Have you tried getting close to anyone in the church? Have you said hi to someone? Have you gone up and said, my name is, or my name us, right, in Afrikaans, right? Mi nombre, me llamo Adrián, right? We, we can do this in different languages. Step up and say, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to put myself, that's a choice. Everything in life is about choice. I've had people say, I just don't feel close to God. God didn't move, I know that much. You know what it is? It's the choices that you're making on a daily basis. Choices matter, they affect your destiny. Jesus says, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Look, if you would, at 1 Samuel chapter number 2, you're not too far away. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 2. You know, Jesus says, he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. You got a choice. You can't do both at the same time. You know what Joshua says it this way. Joshua says, put away the strange gods. In other words, you can't serve the one true God and hold on to the other little gods. You got you to learn to pick one or the other. You can't do both. First Samuel chapter number two, and I read a story here about a man named Eli, and I I, I, I would hope that you would, if you're not familiar with it, you might listen and, and learn a little bit about this man who was called of God to be a leader for the nation of Israel spiritually. And I want you to notice in verse 22 that as he goes into this transition of life, based on the choices he had made prior to this transition, think about this. He is now, as the Bible says in verse 22, very old. All right? You might say very wise, advanced in age, whatever you might want to put there. God just says he's very old. And he heard all that his sons did in all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said to them, why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all these people. <laughs> Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. And he gives them a little bit of a lecture. And you might think, well, he did his job. He did, no, you know what his job was? If you're not going to stop it, you're out of here. Yeah, but they're your sons. Are you going to be embarrassed? I don't care what anyone else... Listen, everyone already knows the wickedness that they're doing. I'm not going to choose them over God. Because that's exactly what God accuses this man of. And God is right for saying that. Look at verse 29. God is talking to Eli. And look what he says. Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above who? Me, God speaking. You know what he said in so many words? You chose your kids over me. Everything in life is about choices. And you're making choices every day. Lord, am I going to put you first? Or am I putting someone else? Am I putting my kids first? Or am I going to put you first? God, am I putting my job first? Or am I going to put you first? My career first or God first? It's all of that all the time. You are making those choices every single day. Can I ask you a question? The choices you made this week, who'd you honor? Was it about God or was it about people? You know what's sad about this story? Eli loses his ministry. Eli ends up dead. His sons lose their ministry and they end up dead. So he thought he was holding on to them. He wasn't. You see, when you think you're holding on to people and you're choosing them over God, you're not holding on to them. You're just actually pushing them further in the wrong direction. And you're pushing your own life in that same direction. And let me tell you something. Whether it's a parent with a child, a, a spouse with a spouse, a Christian with a, a Christian, a, a person, individual believer with a friend, there are choices in your life. And there are going to be moments when you have pressure. I, don't, I cannot imagine being in 2022 in high school. The pressure that's on them, I mean the stuff that is getting crammed down their throat, it wasn't like that in 1998. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. It's different now than it was then. I can't imagine being there. And my hat goes off to the young people that go to school with their Bible and they don't conform and they don't bow the knee and they don't give in the pressure. And you see that once you give in an inch, man, they're going to run all over you until they're done with you. I think about Eli losing everything when he put his family over God. And I think about Tom Brady. My wife doesn't watch a lot of the news. She had her nails done. So she caught up on like hours of news and she came all excited like, guess what? There's a war in Ukraine. I'm like, I know. <laughs> you know, it's like, did you know that there's a low, low energy supply throughout the world? Yeah, I've heard a little bit about that. You know, we're paying lots of money at the pump. Yeah, I heard about that too. Then she goes on to, 
I don't know how she missed that one, but anyways. Then she goes on to talk about Tom Brady. She goes, babe, did you hear about Tom Brady? I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I heard about that. You know, but isn't it so sad? Did you know the reason that Giselle said she was going to leave him was because after he told her and committed to his family, he wasn't going to go back and play the football, the foosball again, that he went back for one more season. And isn't it sad, honey, that he lost his wife and he's losing his career because they're like three and four, aren't they? She got caught up, man. I need to get my nails done, too. But, but, but listen to me. Listen to me. I don't care how his season turns out. If that is the love of his, wife, of his life and he's losing her because he committed to something over her, what a shame. I'm not picking on Tom Brady. I'm not in his shoes. I don't know anything about his life. I'm not, don't, don't come into church and go, you don't know what it's like to be Tom Brady. You're right. I don't know what it's like to wake up with millions of dollars falling from the sky. You're right. <laughs> but I'll say this. Those are choices. You're making choices every single day. Now, you might go, it's my life, my choice. Now, I, I don't want to get on current events, but let me just say this much. Once you start dealing with life and where life comes from, you're not in politics, you're in the Bible. Life comes from God. And if so, I heard someone say, well, when they're at an age that, that is proper enough and they can actually support themselves, hey, sucker, they're not like that. They're not able to support themselves so they're like four, man. I don't mean like out in the work, but I mean like they can't feed themselves. They can't go to the bathroom on their own. If you're telling me that until they can support their bodily functions and they can, they can do that on their own, that it's not really a life. I guess they're not alive till they're like four years old. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Our society's whacked out. You may go, it's my body. No, 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 no. There's a body inside your body. You understand what I'm saying? So that's not your choice. But I'll tell you this. You do have choices you're making every single day. And you go, well, it's my life. Well, what does God say about that? You know what he says? He says, you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Your life, you go, it's my life. Yeah, but here's the catch. If you're saved, he bought you. And if you're lost, he made you. And at the end of the day, all life goes back to God and is accountable unto him. For every one of us will stand and give account of ourselves to God. There's not one of us in this room that's going to get past the judgment. If you're saved, you get to the judgment seat of Christ. Thank God your sins will not be judged there. Thank God it's not like a, a balancing act. Will I go to heaven or hell? Thank God it's not about that. But you will be judged. You will stand in front of Jesus Christ. You will give account of your life. You give account of not just what you did, but why you did it. The motives behind your actions. Why did you go to church? Why didn't you go to church? Why did you become friends? Why didn't you become friends? Why did you break the relationship off? Why did you join that relationship? God looks at all that. He will bring all that into account. The Bible says God will judge, listen to me, the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that my sins are covered, but I know this much, I'm still going to give account to him and of the choices that I make on every single day that he gives me a life on this planet. You say, what is that? Well, it's the Bible. I am not going to get out of this life. It's my life, my choice. Yeah, it's my life and it's my choices, but I'll give account of those choices. Can I say this, number one? Go back to Joshua chapter 24. First thing I'd like to point out is that the choice, your choices are personal. This choice to serve God or not serve God with your life, it's a personal choice. Look what he says there in verse 15. Choose you this day. Now, you may not be familiar with the language of Elizabeth and English in the King James Bible, but let me help you out. When he says you, it's you individually. When he says ye, it's, it's like this, Miss Cindy. All y'all, all y'all is ye in, in, the, in the King James Bible. Is that fair? Is that right? All right. And, and, so, and so listen, when he says you, he's talking to you individually. Choose you. Choose you. Choose you. Choose you. No one gets out of this room and out of this life without facing God and him saying, it's your choice, what are you going to do? No one else can make this. Listen, I wish when people get to church and I knew they were lost, I could just go up and go, hey man, there you go, he's saved, hey man, all right. I'd love to be able to do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't make you get saved. You either accept Jesus Christ or you reject him as your savior. 
either you say, I'm a, I'm a lost soul without God, I need hope, I need life, or you say something like this, I'm religious, I try to live a good life, I, I, I'm doing a good job, I'm not as bad as those other sinners. You know what, when you say that, you know what you're doing? You are making a choice to reject Jesus Christ and hold on to your righteousness, but it is a choice nonetheless. And when you get saved, every single day of your life, you have a choice whether you're going to serve God with your life. With the attitude that's exhibited in your home, with the words that are said and the words that are typed, with the desires of your heart and the things that you are longing for and the things that you are looking to to fill the voids in your life, those are all individual choices that you make. You cannot blame society. You cannot blame your parents. You cannot blame your pastor. You make those choices on your own. Am I right or am I wrong? Listen, outside, listen, there are two ways, listen, there are two ways to help people make choices, all right? Here's way number one. Let me inspire you. Let me show you the way. Let me show you what's right. Let me show you what's wrong. And then I'm going to let you choose. And then there's the communist Cuba way. You will vote for Fidel. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? But but outside of that, you are making choices in your life. Listen, I understand there are some things. you, You did not choose what family you're born into. But can I say this? Take a trip around the world and you'll be very glad that you were born here. Well, all the problems that you have, I didn't choose this and I didn't choose, okay, those are things you didn't choose. I didn't choose my parents. I didn't, but you know what? I chose, every, outside of my parents and the family that I was born into, boy, just about everything else was my doing and my choice. You know what God says? The fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own. So you know what? That's, that's God's way of saying this in so many words. You are responsible for you. Now listen, when they're like this, parents, you're responsible for helping them. Okay? When they're like that and they're outside of the house, you're still responsible for them. You have influence in their life. But I tell you, I can't watch her all the time. I cannot make her love God. Does this make sense? I can show her how to do that at this point in her life, but I can't make her. But here's what I can do. I can choose to stay in church. I can choose to stay in my Bible. I can choose to serve God with my life so that when my kids, if they do go astray, more than likely it's going to happen. If someone does go astray, they know where to come back whenever they get right with God. You know what happens oftentimes? I, I don't know why this is, and it drives me insane. Parents are so dedicated to church when their kids are little, and then when they grow up and leave the house, like, well, we don't need church anymore. We got our kids through life. Your kids are watching you now, bozo. They're looking at you, and they're noticing that you're not in church anymore. You know what's going to make them do? Get them out of church as well. Your choices, listen to me very carefully, they're your choices, but they do affect other people. I don't want you to answer, but how often do you find yourself saying, I didn't have a choice. I just, I didn't have a choice. (laughs) You don't know, she pushed my buttons. You just don't know who I married. You don't know. He knows how to push my buttons. Yeah, but you chose to respond the way you did. My life, my choice. You're right. But you know what the Lord says? Whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Think about Jesus Christ in the hands of mankind. And there's Jesus Christ, Pontius Pilate. He you know, he says, hey, what will ye that I do? Will ye therefore that I release on you the king of the Jews? You know what their response is? Not this man, but Barabbas. That was a choice. They made that choice knowing who Jesus was and knowing who Barabbas was. You don't get away with choices like that without giving account for those things. Uh, understand, your choices are yours and yours to live with. There's an expiration date on blaming your parents and societies for everything that's wrong in your life. You've got to own it and say, listen, the reason why my children don't listen to me is because I trained them not to listen to me. The reason why my kids are rebellious in some cases is because I taught them it was okay to push God. No, listen, let me tell you right now. Oftentimes, when they get older and out of the house, that's one thing. When they're under your roof, you're choosing a lot of what you let them get away with. You decide that. Those are choices that you make. People come to me all the time and go, I just don't know what to do. What does the Bible say? Yeah, I know what it says. 
but. Okay, then what you're saying is I choose anything but what God says. See, Joshua's looking at the people going, man, I, I know where you guys are headed if you don't make this choice right now. You know, over there, you've heard the story about Mary and Martha and the dispute between the sisters and classic sibling rivalry, you know. Martha's the type A clean freak, you know, always had to have everything in order and, you know, what time is everybody coming over? I'm, I'm not Martha. I'm not Martha. I like things clean, but I'm not Martha. I'll tell you why. Because, like, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like, if we talked last week about being there at a certain time, then we'll get there, you know? And there's some people in my family like, okay, you got yeah, make sure they're here. Go, okay, what? Did you talk to them today? No, I didn't talk to them. Did you talk to them last night? No, I didn't talk to them last night. Because I just, I told them before, so I'm good. And they're, and they're like, no, 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 no. We need to know what time they're coming. It's 9.32. They said 9.30. To me, 9.32 is 9.30. <laughs> but for other people, it's not. You got Martha, and then you've got Mary. And I don't think Mary's lazy. I just think Mary is kind of more the person that's in tune with the spirits that are around her. And you know the story, Mary sits down at the feet of Jesus, and you know what the Lord says about Mary? She hath chosen, chosen that good part, which shall not be taken from her. It wasn't because just her personality. She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ. And Martha chose to be a little neurotic. You know what Saul says? One time, the, it's so funny. God gives instructions. He goes, okay, prophets do this, priests do this, and kings do this. Kings don't do what priests do, all right? We don't, we don't blend those lines. They're different. And so if a king does something that a priest does, he's in trouble. So the king knows that the priest told him, hey, it's going to be a couple days before I show up. And then Saul's like, yeah, I know what the preacher said. I know what God said, but man, I just... Everyone's getting restless and everyone's kind of getting, you know, they don't know the battle. We're supposed to go into battle and we can't go into battle without the sacrifices going on and, and the priest isn't here. So, man, if he's not going to do it, then I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And then when the priest shows up, he's like, Saul, what in the world are you doing? Caught red-handed doing the sacrifices. You know what his answer was? I forced myself. Look it up in your Bible, literally what he says. Oh, I just... I didn't know what to do, and the pressure, and man, I just, it wasn't me. I didn't want to do it, but they kind of pressured me, and I kind of had to force myself to do this, and it wasn't my first choice, but I had no choice, and I, I had to. Listen, Saul, you knew what you were doing. You knew exactly what you were doing, and you did it anyways. <laughs> Moses, golden calf. A, A, Ron, you done messed up. Yeah, there's Aaron there with the golden calf. And you know, you know what he says? They said unto me, thou knowest the people, their heart is set on mischief. Yeah, but aren't you the one that chose this? Couldn't you have said, no, this isn't right? Couldn't you have said something? Could you have done something? Could you have not stopped it? Could you not have been at least an obstacle? Well, you don't know. It was an angry mob and they would have killed me. You would have gone out like a hero. Now you look like a jerk. See, what is that? Personal choices. Peter chose to follow Jesus. He chose to deny him. He chose to get it right. Thank God. Judas chose to follow Jesus. Judas chose to betray the Lord. And Judas chose to hang himself. I don't read in the scriptures that God made him hang himself. You hear what I'm saying? Personal choices. It's your choice. It's personal you know what I'll say about your choice as well? It requires some urgency. Some choices, you know what? <laughs> i got to be honest. With you. I got, I got, we got a big family. As the family grows, we have different personalities, you know, and, and I, I literally ask my wife, I'm not lying when I say this, I can go to a restaurant, look at the menu, and within 30 seconds, that's what I want. I'm, I'm serious. Other people, it's like, oh. oh. It's almost like you're asking them if they want to send nukes to Russia. Will we end all of humanity? <laughs> Just pick a meal, man. It's not that hard. Yeah, but what if I ate the chicken and I really wanted the beef? Get it next time. I, I sit, so when I take the kids, sometimes we go to get ice cream. Oh, oh, oh. Pick a flavor. Some things.
things, you know, they, they require a little bit of urgency. Some things aren't the end of the world, but let me just tell you this. When it comes to things that are spiritual and eternal in weight and your attitude and your response to life and how you think about things and the things your mind dwells on and the relationships you're building, some of those things are urgent in nature and God's saying, hey, you don't need to make this decision tomorrow. You need to make it today. Amen. Some decisions cannot be made tomorrow. Listen, if someone broke in your house and you heard, you know, someone kicks up and they're give us all you got. You wouldn't be like, stop, please, in the name of the law. You would jump up and do something. And yet, listen to me, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And some Christians are just like, oh, well, don't hurt me too much. Get up. I don't know. Listen, I don't want to get into politics. I just heard a story about some guy breaking into a famous uh, politician's house and that thing makes absolutely no sense at all. And all I can say is this. If someone breaks in my house and I'm awake, see, that's the problem with me. I'm not awake. It takes a lot to wake me up, man. I mean, a lot. My wife said, man, I'm glad that nothing's really bad has ever happened in our home because if it did, you sleep right on through it. How can you sleep through everything? She says, all the, how can you sleep? You know what it is? I got a clean conscience, baby. Nothing keeps me up at night. You know, I hit the pillow, you know. But all, all joking aside, if someone broke into my house and I heard it and I was awake enough, sober enough to realize what's going on, I would not lie in bed and go, God, would you do something about the problem here? I would make it. Cho- do you understand what I'm saying? And so would most of you. When it comes to preserving your natural carnal life, you do all kinds of things to keep yourself whole. And then when it comes to your spiritual life, you're like, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll decide that tomorrow. That relationship, yeah, I'll talk about that with God tomorrow. I'll think about that tomorrow. And listen, sometimes you can't afford to do it tomorrow. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. He who awaits much can expect little. If you want to make an easy job seem mighty hard, just keep putting it off until tomorrow. Some of you have heard this a million times. Sorry. But I'm going to say it again. Procrastination is my sin. It brings me not but sorrow. I know that I should stop. And in fact, I will tomorrow. You know what the Bible says? Awake thou that sleepest and Christ shall give thee light. Over and over throughout the Bible, it says today, 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 today. You know what's amazing to me about how, if you have kids, you understand what I'm talking about. You'll tell them we're going to do this fun thing. They'll ask about it 20 times before it happens. Am I right? Yes. And then that morning they wake up and go, is this the day? Yes, this is the day. Is it time? Is it time? Are we going yet? And then it's like, hey, can you pick up the bowls in the backyard for the dogs? It's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Two days later, did you ever pick up the Oh, I forgot. Translation, I did something else that mattered more in that moment, and eventually I forgot about the thing that I told you I would do. Does it not sound a little familiar to us adults with the Lord? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll talk to my neighbor tomorrow. I'll deal with this issue with my kids tomorrow. I'll address this thing between you and me, God, tomorrow. I'll get right with you tomorrow. It blows my mind. Pharaoh's there and the people have got lice. Listen, it would have taken one, one plague, one plague alone, lice. I don't like itching. I don't like insects. I don't like bugs. You get the plague of lice on me like, God, I'm sorry. I, please forgive me. Take it all away. I confess sins I never even committed if I was Pharaoh. Here's Pharaoh going through the flies. And, the, and, 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 and the, 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 the moraine and the pestilence and the lice and this and that. And then the frogs. And Moses comes to me and goes, hey, man, uh, how's it going? It's terrible. Can you do something about this? Talk to your God. I'm really sorry. Please do something. Get it away. Take the frogs away. Imagine opening your ovens, lady, and frogs are jumping out. Uh, imagine turning your, your bathtub on and frogs are coming out the faucet. Imagine everywhere you go, little creepy, slimy little things. And there's Pharaoh and Moses having this conversation. And Moses is like, great, man. I'm glad you want to repent. When do you want to do this? Uh, look at my calendar. Tomorrow sounds good. Why don't you do it today? I think some of you are hoping that if you just keep delaying it, you won't have to make the choice. When you keep delaying choices, you're going to make them harder down the road. Some choices for God need to be made today. I tell people when they come to me and say, Pastor, I've got this decision to make. Sometimes I say, slow down, slow down. Man, but sometimes it's like, you better deal with this. And you better deal with it now. Because if you don't, here's what I know. However you prepare for tomorrow, 
is how it's probably going to go. So what you do, in other words, the training that you're doing right now in your life, every decision is a training moment. You know that? God's training you. And you're making decisions all the time. And some people say, you know what? I'm going to back away from church. I'm going to back away from my Bible. I'm going to back away from this. That's a choice. Lord, I want to dive deeper. I want to get closer in spite of the problems, in spite of the pressure, in spite of the people. I want to dive deep. That's a choice. But I'll say this. Sometimes I look at the, the thing and I'm going, man, if you don't do something right now, when the bullets start to fly, and they will, you are going to make the wrong choice. If you don't make the decision right now before you get to that final point of decision and you don't decide in your mind what you're going to... You see, that's the whole exercise with Joshua. Joshua's not wasting his breath. He's looking at the nation going, I see where you're headed if you don't make the right choice now. When someone says, I want to get saved, you know what I don't say? That's wonderful. You should do that next year. You know, part of the problem, we don't live in an investment-driven society. We live in a consumer society. Right. I want to buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. I have people come all the time. Well, you know, I, I really can't afford to do this. How much you spend on Hulu? How much you spend on Amazon? How much you spend on Apple Music? How much you spend on YouTube? How much you spend on... And before you know it, boy, you're hundreds of dollars into subscriptions, and you're like, I can't afford to tithe. That's your choice. No one's going to beat you up over that. It's between you and God. But I'll tell you right now, the real issue is you're not investing in the right things. You're just consuming so when it comes to choices, you're just like a, a consumer mentality, which is if I can't get it now and I can't enjoy it now, I don't want it. You know what investment versus consumerism is? I'm saving for the future. Yeah, but it's not as fun. And you don't be the life of the party. You know what? The life of the party ends up broke. Amen. How many of those NFL players get out of the NFL? I saw a, a video about a guy that was an NBA all-star as a homeless person living on drugs. You know how that starts? No thought of tomorrow based on how you act today. What are you doing today? Your choice is a dividing choice. You see what do you mean? Look at Joshua 24. And notice what it said here in verse 15. Choose you to say whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. That's not, listen, it's not like, well, you can kind of do this and kind of do that. You might or might not remember the story of Jacob when he's working for his father-in-law. I mean, listen, gentlemen, you may like a girl, but I don't think any of you have the intestinal fortitude to work for 14 years to get a girlfriend. When a guy's like, Pastor, do you think it's time for me today? I don't know. Would you work 14 years for her? Well, okay, you're too young. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Jacob worked for 14 years for his wife. And you know why? She was hot. She was pretty. And he got Leah. It's kind of a bum deal situation. Kind of, that was an interesting one. It's like a two for one, but he didn't really want it. And there she is, you know. And eventually he gets Rachel. And Rachel's so pretty. That's all you can think about. She's so beautiful. I'll work seven more years for her. Isn't it so romantic? Yeah, or maybe he's on crack. I don't know, but... It seems kind of crazy to me that for 14 years you work for something and then you get it and then you realize maybe it's not everything that you thought it was. I'm not trying to pick on, on the romance. I love, I love my wife and romance, but I mean, here's the problem. Jacob lived for the flesh. He just liked how pretty she was. You know what, Jake, you know what Rachel does one day? Jacob goes, that's it, guys. We're done living with the in-laws. It is time to go. Remember that story? Look, man, I'll tell you what, there's a threshold in how long you can live with the in-laws. There just is. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. Amen. Latin American culture is the worst about this. Because you're so, oh, pero tu eres mi hijo. Yeah, I love you, mom, but I love her more. She's my wife. Amen. That's a hard one. Yeah. And gentlemen, don't you ever go, man, that was really good, honey. Sounds good as my mom's cooking. That's a bad idea. <laughs> so there they are. And Jacob's like, man, it's time to leave. We got to get out of here. I can't take your dad anymore. I've worked so much. I've been out there. I've been frostbitten. I've worked my nails, my hands to the bone, and he doesn't appreciate it. It's time for us to go out and build our own lives. And they go, all right, we're on board. So Leah and Rachel, his wives, jump in there. They get on the camel train. They head out. Then Laban goes, they left without saying goodbye. You ever had like people came over for Thanksgiving or something like that, and they're like they're just gone. It's like, where, where did they go? 
and that's what Jacob did. And so Laban's like, this isn't cool with me. I'm going to go. And he gets his men like, they're going to go fight. And they pursue hot after them. And when they get there, boy, Jacob jumps off his camel. Let me tell you something. And Laban's like, let me tell you something. And Jacob's like, don't tell these are your own daughters. This is your family. You come up here like you want to fight. And they're, they're like this, you know. And all of a sudden, Laban's like, hey, man, just chill out. I'm not here to kill you. I'm just here to find who took my gods. Let me just say this, man. If someone can steal your God, you got the wrong one. So, so he goes, who's got my gods? Hey, God's over here. Any God's over here? I can't find you. Hey, God, God, God. Here, God, God. Who, who, who. You know what Rachel does? Oh. He's searching all over the place. And then he comes to Rachel to get off her camel. She goes, nope, Dad, I can't. What do you mean you can't? It's that time. Okay, all right, cool. You know where the gods were hid? Under her little knapsack there. You know what Jacob eventually says when God calls him back to Bethel? He said, it's time. In Genesis 35, here's what Jacob says. Put away the strange gods that are among you. Isn't it interesting? Look at Joshua chapter 24 and look down at verse 23 and look at verse 14. Dude, you guys have had God open the Red Sea. You've had God rain food from heaven. You've had God kill your enemies with hailstones the size of like a Toyota Prius. <laughs> God has done all this stuff for you. Why do you have those other gods? Right. Well, just in case. Just in case it doesn't work out with him. <laughs> Let me tell you something right now. If I had a wife on the side just in case, oh my goodness. And yet you treat God that way. Well, just in case. You know, we're going to keep these friends just in case the church people don't work out. And, and we're going to keep this, this lifestyle on the side just in case, you know, that church doesn't. And, and we're going to keep, you know, I'm going to keep this, this job, uh, keep this hobby and keep this habit and, and keep this thing just in case. Let you say, what, is, what makes a God a God? when you are devoted to it as much as you are the one true God or more so. You know, this choice is supposed to be a dividing choice. You know what Peter says? I go fishing. <laughs> you know what Peter was saying in so many words? Jesus didn't work out. Didn't work out like I expected. I'm going to go do something that kind of in the back door just in case. I'm going to be real honest with you, and you, and you, and you. Some of you that were raised in church, you better not have the audacity to look at your parents in the eye and say, well, it just didn't work out. You, got, you, you guys have got the lottery. You want parents aren't perfect, yeah, but they love you and they put up with you and they feed you and they bring you to church. They force me to go to church. They force you to brush your teeth too. And go to school and be indoctrinated by weirdos. Amen, amen, amen. And you know what the reality is? You need to wake up and say, man, here's the opportunity that God has given me. I don't want the back door open anymore. Shut the back door. Get rid of those other gods and say, God, you're it. I'm tired of playing games. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to sell out. Too many Christians are like, well, I just kind of have this thing on the side. That does not work in any relationship, not in your marriage, not with your family, and absolutely not with God. Amen. You know what blows my mind? Well, you know, look, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be mean or anything like that, but, but listen to me. It's amazing how we will send our kids to school when we're not there. And then if something's happening at home and I can't make it, all of a sudden, my kid who's 18 can drive anywhere, goes to the mall, goes everywhere, can't find a way to get to church. You know what that is? You are allowing them to keep a back door open and allowing them to have their own gods instead of following the one true God. That's your choice as a parent. Elijah gets up there on the Mount of Carmel. You know the story, I talked about it last week. You know what he says? It's like me looking at my kid when they're trying to pick a meal. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. 
by you not making a choice, you kind of force God's hand to allow things to unfold. My kids will look at the menu, and after five minutes, which feels like an eternity at a restaurant. (laughs) See, like when I go to a restaurant, for me it's business. It's like there's the food, you bring it to me, I pay you, I leave. (laughs) For the children, it's like, well, This is my favorite thing about kids. Oh, I'm so hungry, Dad. Take three bites. Oh, that's so full. (laughs) But you know what happens after a couple minutes of them not choosing? I go, okay, you're going to get that. But I didn't. Sorry, buddy. You had a chance to pick. And you know what? You didn't do it in the allotted time. Today is the day to make that choice. And you've got a choice to make that will divide your life. You'll go in this direction or in that direction. You know what Elijah says? How long halt you between two opinions? How long halt you between staring at garbage on TikTok and Insta and everywhere else and reading your Bible? How long halt you between, between the friends you have out in the world and the friends you ought to have in the church? How long halt you between learning your Bible and being a biblical ignoramus because you've cho- not because you're a newborn Christian and you don't know anything yet, but because you've been safe for 20 years and you spend more time on Fox News or CNN or whatever it might be than you do in your Bible? How long are you going to take deciding which side you're on? What you're going to do with your life is going to matter for God. I want my life to count. Man, I'm 40. I'm over the hill, 41 now. And all I can think of is I'm halfway there. God, I want to do something that leaves a legacy behind me. I don't just want to consume air and food and space and be gone. And that's it. Choices have consequences. If you look at the passage, Joshua lays out for the people, hey, if you follow God, here's what's going to happen, and if you don't, here's what's going to happen. Is that fair? How do they go from, we're all going to serve God, go go just a couple pages to the right, look at Judges chapter 6, and we'll be about done. One more verse. James, I saw that smirk. (laughs) We're almost done. (laughs) Judges chapter 6. Now, how do you go from we're all going to serve God to this? Then the men of the city said unto Joash, bring out thy son that he may die. Ooh, what did this guy do that's so bad? Man, what did he do that got the whole city to want to kill him? You know what the guy did? He stood up for God when they were worshiping Baal. Read the verse. They want to kill this guy for standing up for the one true God. Weren't you guys the ones that said, we will serve the Lord, we are witnesses today? Yeah, but that was then, this is now. How'd you get from there to there? Here's how you got there. Every single day of your life, making choices. And as, listen, how did we get from where we were in Western civilization just 50 or so some years ago to where we are today. Some of you might go, oh, we're advancing. We're progressing. It's getting better. Leave your door unlocked at night. Have you not noticed anything about the the drug influence? Have you not noticed anything about the homeless stuff? I'm not picking on them. I feel bad. But you know what that is? That's a choice to go down a road and it leads to a certain place. And we're seeing that all unfold around us. It didn't happen overnight. You didn't go from, you know, kids in the 1950s, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America to kids going, screw you, mom. If I want to be a girl today, I'll be a girl. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't, that happened over time. Choices. You know what, the the things that happen in your life, they happen over time. Things that you're thinking about, things that you're looking at, things that you're listening to, the places in your heart that you go, the motives that you leave unchecked. God goes, look, I, I'm telling you today, you need to make a choice today. You need to quit going between two sides and which side's gonna be. Listen, no one wants to be named, named their kid Benedict Arnold. No one wants to name their kid Judas for a reason. Why? Because the choices you make have consequences. And you know what Joshua was able to do? He was at least able to influence an entire generation by going, hey, I don't know what you're all going to do, but I'll tell you, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
In other words, you've got choice, I've got choice, here's what I choose. And by doing that publicly, he influenced an entire generation. You know what it says about Mary? When she breaks that box over his feet and pours the oil out, what she did that day, the Bible says, would be spoken of for her as a memorial. In other words, they would remember that. How do you want to be remembered? You know what's awesome? Brother Palat coming here next a couple weeks from now. That's awesome. You know what's neat? You don't know who that is. It's a Cambodian uh, uh, native missionary coming uh, to present his work. You know what's amazing about that? Our lives intersect because of one man's influence. Don't you want that someday? You may go, well, I'm shy. You mean you're proud and you don't want to get out of your bubble? I get it. Well, what if I get hurt? Man, you're already hurt. You might as well get hurt for something that matters. Like get out of your thing, whatever your thing is, and go, okay, God, today's the day. I choose you. You know what I do every single morning with my wife? Not like verbally, but emotionally. I say, I choose us. I choose us. You say, why? You don't have a healthy marriage without that. You don't have a healthy walk with God without that. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Not who you will talk about, who you'll know. Who are you serving with your life? What legacy will you leave when you are gone? I pray it's a good one. Choose you this day. Let's all stand. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you stir us? Would you provoke us? Lord, there are certain moments in our lives that can be influential and can lead to bigger moments. And this might be that moment for somebody. I, I pray, Lord, that Lord, that you would help us to realize, Lord, there's so much that you want to do in our lives, so much you want to accomplish, but you won't make us do it. <laughs> You give us that free will and you give us the opportunity to follow you. And God, I, I pray that today you would burden the hearts of your people, that they would see, Lord, the flip side. It is awesome. It is amazing. It is the best life to leave a memorial. Lord, if I kick the bucket tomorrow, I want people to know that I live for you. I want them to be inspired to do something for you. I want them to go on for you. I don't want them to talk about the business that I had or the money that I made. I want them to talk about the souls that were saved and the people whose lives were touched because of Jesus in my life. God, that's what I want. Lord, would you give, burden your people to have that desire, Lord, to do something, to make a difference, to choose you. What are you going to choose? How long will you halt between two opinions? With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here and you've never been born again. Can I say this? Jesus Christ was God, manifest in the flesh. He came and he lived a sinless life. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. And he went to the cross and he shed his blood he died a cruel death. Not just cruel at the hands of men, but God the Father poured his wrath out on sin on his own son. The Bible says it like this. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He became sin so you could become clean. He loved you that much. The Bible says that he died for our sins and was buried and rose again. If you've heard that message, you have a choice. What will you do with Jesus Christ? Will you accept him or will you reject him? Well, I'm not rejecting him. I'm just not accepting him today. That means you're rejecting him today. I pray you don't do it, but people do it all the time. But you're, you're rejecting him today. Well, I won't tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow comes, maybe it doesn't. I'll say this much. You have a choice of what to do with Jesus. I pray you receive my... Listen, as, as challenging 
as our lives are as believers, it is a thousand times more challenging without having the indwelling of God himself inside of us, without having that peace of God, without having that forgiveness of sins, without having that new life in Christ, without knowing that heaven is my home and that God is my father. It's that much more challenging without that. I would encourage you, if you don't know Christ as your savior today, we'd love for you to be saved. I'd love to show you from the Bible what it means to be born again. Now from there, all kinds of daily choices, all kinds of decisions that will influence your walk with God moving forward. But boy, that's the greatest one. How many of you are saved and you're glad you're saved? Would you say amen? amen. Isn't it awesome? It's good to be saved. Man, the, world's, the world would just make, the life would make no sense without Jesus. What are we here for? What's it all about? Make money? Okay, make money. Enjoy life, kick the bucket, and what after that? The money goes to someone else. Your stuff goes to someone else. What was life all about? God created you. He designed you with purpose to bring him pleasure. You can't do that without being saved. Choose you this day. If you're lost, I'd encourage you. Find me after the service. Find someone that can open up a Bible and go, I want to be saved today. Not tomorrow, today. Amen. Christian, you got choices to make this week. And you know when they start? Now. You won't make the right choices Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday if you're not making the right choice today. Amen. Hope you got something from the Word today. Pray you can be here Wednesday night. Amen. Nothing is as sobering as seeing a guy in the front row with shark slippers on. Amen. Amen. I like it. I like it, buddy. Uh, Wednesday night, I will be in Mexico. I ask your prayers. I'm going to a conference. Um, I was told I'm the chips and salsa, which means we're, I'll be finishing the meeting out, including three other messages. So if you could pray for that, um, I, I want to I minister. What it is is these uh, pastors, native pastors in Mexico, um, they're coming for a conference just to be encouraged. They need it, and uh, pastors need that. And I've been encouraged by other pastors. I want to do that for them. So if you pray, I'm going to be very busy um, preaching pretty much every day that I'm there. Uh, and I'll be flying back Monday. So Wednesday night, Brother Sean will be preaching. All right, Brother Sean, where, there he is. All right, he'll be preaching Wednesday night. And then next Sunday, uh, Brother Pastor Bob Woody from Pueblo, Colorado. He was here well, when Brother Peacock was here. He preached at our church a long time ago. He's the man that married me and my wife. And uh, yeah, he's a good man. He'll be here to preach the word, so uh, don't miss that next Sunday. Uh, Sunday school, everything else will be just like normal, just a different preacher, same book. Amen. That's all that matters. Man, let's go, Lord, in prayer. Hope you got something from the word, and uh, let's make a difference. Let's make some wise choices for Jesus this week, amen? All right, I'm going to ask uh, Brother Thomas, way back in the back, if you would close us out in a word of prayer, brother.